Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Casual Friday. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Tracy, this whole week was wacky spy week. It was. Fritz Duquesne. Uh, yeah, who is somebody that I have wanted to talk about for several years and just kind of kept back burnering it. Uh, partially because his life has a lot to pick through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very busy man, and I wanted to make sure that I had time to really, like, read up on as many of the shifts in his life as I could. And uh, you were actually out last week, so that gave me a little extra time when we weren't recording where I could do some of that. So that is why we ended up with a two-parter on Fritz Duquesne. I mentioned at the end of our second episode about him that I... I'm psychologically fascinated by him because I always wonder in the case of someone who, even before they are doing it for any sort of um, wartime spy or sabotage reason, starts kind of telling yarns about who they actually are. Mm -hmm. Like, what is their sense of self? How do they self-identify when they are lying alone at night in the dark? Like, I... I will never know, but I always wonder that, which is why I think people like him are so appealing. Yeah. There is another part of his story that I did not go into in the show because eventually you have to start cutting things for time or you end up down long explanatory rabbit holes. Um, He had a woman in his life from very early on, uh, this woman named Lillian Linding, And it seems they were probably at some point linked romantically, but they also were best friends. And so a lot of what we do know about him kind of comes from his letters to Lillian, which is fascinating. Uh, He has one of those lives that, of course, as you're reading it, you're like, this would be a great movie, and I know who should play him, and this would be amazing. Uh, But I actually think what would be really fascinating as a take on that would be his letters back and forth with Lillian, because they are a little more intimate. There are some towards the end of his life where he is feeling his age, but he's also talking about, like, there's one letter that I read where he talks about getting lost when he is in New York, Um, even though he has known New York his whole life, but he gets a street in Brooklyn and a street in, I think, Queens with the same name confused, and he ends up on the wrong train, and And he tells her about this whole ordeal of how it took him everywhere all over the city. This is when he was living in the nursing home. And then he had to remember exactly where the nursing home was. But at the end, there is this very sort of sweet part of it where he talks about how proud he is that he can still get around and figure it out, even if it's a big mess. And that, like, he fought through it, even though it was one of the most miserable days of his life. Uh, And to me, that stuff is where all of the interesting lives. (laughs) We didn't talk about this in the episode at all. Um, But he, in especially the the earlier, like, big game hunting, uh, living in in South Africa, like, the uh, sort of hyper-masculine persona. Yeah. um, Like, that's just a whole thread. (laughs) It is. I mean, that's, uh, it's one of those things, like, when you get into even the Roosevelt stuff, I mean, that's what he's selling, right? It's like, I'm the actual man you are trying to go live the life of. Um, which is a, a as you said, <laughs> that's a whole, a whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it is really, really fascinating. There are, uh, it's easy to find a lot 
of sympathetic sounding articles when you talk about the occupation of uh, Transvaal, in particular by the British, on the side of the Boers because they are just defending their way of life. Um, that life involves slavery. Yeah. Uh, slave trade. Like, it's very funny. I mean, you will even find pretty modern write-ups where they're like, you know, the Boers were really a gentle people. They were very Christian. And I'm like, but, but plus really into slavery. I don't... What? And then that... That whole thing was also, like, just part of of European colonialism in South Africa, which, like, is its own layer of stuff that gets kind of glossed over, I think. Uh, not, I mean, definitely not all the time, but in, in the accounts that are sort of like, oh, these just, they were simple farmers and they were just trying to make their living. It's like, well, colonialism and slavery, like, there's a lot yeah. going on there. Um, they were defending their life from Britain, and really Britain was just doing a larger-scale version of what they had done to the populations that already lived in those places. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's very problematic in that regard. It's interesting, this idea that um, Duquesne hated Britain so much he would do anything to hurt them. Yeah, and including siding with Nazis. Yeah. It's a really weird thing. There is, uh, in that, one of those um, biographies I read that I mentioned, because there are two primary ones. One is that one, which was written in the 90s. The other is a biography that came out when Duquesne was still alive before the Nazi involvement, so there's no real mention of it. But there is sort of like a, uh, he didn't really seem to buy into the whole, like, pure-blooded Aryan race thing or any of that. He just wanted to hurt Britain. And it's like, yeah, but at what cost to, like, his humanity and morality? But that didn't ever seem to be a factor in any of the discussion or any of his decisions. Right. Um. I mean, it, it comes up when his girlfriend calls a reporter and goes, I am Jewish and did not know he was collaborating with pro-Nazi groups. This is a problem. Um... Clearly, he didn't see the conflict there. Right, right. I think he's kind of a mess. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a big, big understatement on my part. But, like, there, it's like I, I enjoy reading about just the over-the-top grandiosity of his own invented backstory and his many, many escapes. Like, I, th- those are fun, but I'm also like, man, I, I don't like you as a human being. <laughs> Well, I think that is, I think we've stumbled upon what the real problem is, right? There's no morality driving it other than this one thing, which is that he hates Britain. And clearly, horrible things happen to his family at the hands of British soldiers. Right. I don't want to negate that at all, but that completely, like, obliterated any other nuance of thought for him for the rest of his life, which is not really a particularly moral way to live right mm-hmm. like vengeance isn't really a moral code uh, um and it it uh yeah it's a weird thing because that's the other flip right is that everybody seemed to fall in love with him and just find him incredibly appealing right right i feel like kind of like we're lucky that his only plan was this vengeance thing because he seems like the kind of person who in that time, I don't think it would work today, 
if he had wanted to take on greater power, he probably could have. Mm-hmm. And then heaven only knows what would happen. Um, I certainly wonder, and I'm sure many other people do, if there were always explosives in that giant iron case. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like if he left New York potentially knowing he might need explosives or if there actually was film and then he switched that out for explosives and claimed that he had lost the film because the film still would have cost him something. So even if he had to jettison it to make room for a bomb... I can see why he wanted to go after the insurance money. Right. It's a weird combination, though, right? Of these sort of very grandiose plans really going after a world power and also always hustling to make a buck. And that, to me, is the fascinating juxtaposition as well for him, right? This is part of the puzzle of what makes him like a creature where you're just like, what even are you? How do you live your life, how does any of this function or work? Fritz Duquesne. So if anybody wants to write that screenplay, um, I'm happy to help because I'm completely (laughs) enthralled. Problematic though he is. I just find myself making the big eyes of like, I really wish I could travel back in time and talk to him for like a minute. (laughs) Like, dude, what was your deal? Fritz, are you okay? I know you're not, but... um, Yeah, I also am really, I mean, here's the thing. On some level, you have to admire that level of bravado, Mm -hmm. right? That he can convince medical doctors that he has actual things wrong with him. Right. Is an achievement. But again, also, hey, you killed people with your horrible behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sided with Nazis. That's where I keep getting... Oh, I'm even before that. I'm like the dude, <laughs> the dudes on the Tennyson. And even like the these stories of him like killing people as a kid. Right, right. In this, you know, conflict that is born inherently of racism. It is a weird thing to try to like unspool all of that and figure out how that person ended up in some of the other pockets of his life. Like, how does that strange, very sort of brutal beginning also end up the guy who is, like, the toast of New York society for his writing and his, like, turn of phrase. And then also later, you know, making films for a school board in South America. Like, they're... That's a life. That's a resume for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think we're Fritz Duquesne'd out, probably. Probably so, yeah. I'll keep thinking about him because he's fascinating. Uh, If you would like to write to us, you can do so at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. You can also find us everywhere on social media as Missed in History. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.